This is the mop-up for September 27th, 2023. New York State Attorney General Letitia James was suing Donald Trump for fraud in civil court. It was supposed to happen next month, claiming he defrauded banks and insurance companies by inflating the value of his properties to use them as collateral when securing bigger loans to pay off the loans he already took out. In essence, it was a pyramid scheme of taking out a credit card to pay off your other credit card. We all do that. And she also accused Trump of devaluing the very same properties when it came time to paying his taxes. That's the Trump con. Inflate the value of your properties so banks will lend you money, then deflate the value of the very same properties when it comes time to paying your taxes. New York State Attorney General James was seeking $250 million in fines, and she wanted Trump and his two imbecile sons banned from ever doing business again in New York State. The trial was supposed to start on October 2nd. There was not going to be a jury. It was going to be Judge Arthur Engeron ruling thumbs up or thumbs down. So before the trial began, there was a pre-trial and Attorney General Letitia James asked the judge, uh, why don't you take a look at Donald Trump's books? And uh, Attorney General Letitia James told the judge that when she filed the lawsuit initially last September, she had no idea how wildly Trump and his moronic sons had inflated the values of their properties. She told the judge that until the discovery phase of the trial began earlier this year, she needed a chance to go over the books, and that's what the discovery phase of the trial provided. She said once she went over the Trump Organization's books, she was staggered, that's the word she used, staggered to discover that he was tacking on anywhere between $1.5 billion to $3 billion of non-existent wealth each year, starting in 2011, going all the way up until 2021. The New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, told the judge that Trump's books were so incredibly inflated that a trial would be a waste of everyone's time since his criminality is beyond dispute. She also said she would be asking for more than $250 million, more than the $250 she initially called for. She then asked for what is called a summary judgment. And a summary judgment means, I think I sort of understand, it's no trial, no jury. The judge goes over the books and goes, are you effing kidding me? Guilty. Now go, go appeal, go appeal, but you're guilty. And that is exactly what New York State Attorney General Letitia James got on Tuesday. She got exactly what she wanted. Judge Angeron, in a summary judgment on Tuesday, ruled that Donald Trump clearly and repeatedly misrepresented his wealth to banks and insurance companies. The judge lowballed. And he said uh, that Trump overstated his net worth by as much as $2.2 billion. He's being generous. According to Letitia James, it might have been as much as $10 billion that he lied about. The judge wrote, quote, the documents here clearly contain fraudulent valuations that defendants used in business. OK, wait, it gets a lot worse for Trump. Better for us. The judge ordered Trump to surrender his New York State business licenses. He and the two troglodyte sons are forbidden from doing business in New York. And the BBC, the BBC says the judge's ruling most likely means Trump will lose whatever control he once had over his flagship property, Trump Tower. That's where Melania is carrying on an extramarital affair, allegedly. He has an apartment there that Melania lives in. He's going to have to uh, give up control of Trump Tower as well as 40 Wall Street, 
which Trump famously and incorrectly, right after the Twin Towers came down, called the tallest building in New York City. The Associated Press reports the judge ordered Trump's limited liabilities, limited liability companies that control his Manhattan real estate to be dissolved, to be dissolved and turned over to a receivership, dissolved. He and his two moronic sons will lose all control over who the buildings rent to, as well as who the buildings can hire and fire. No more power. Their, their company is going to be dissolved. The judge, in his opinion, ruled, quote, in defendant's world, rent regulated apartments are worth the same as unregulated apartments. Restricted land is worth the same as unrestricted land. Restrictions can evaporate into thin air, the judge wrote. He added, quote, that is a fantasy world, not the real world. The judge ruled that Donald Trump lied and said his apartment at Trump Tower was three times the size it actually was. He said it was worth $327 million. Hey, as collateral, here's my apartment, $327 million. Can you, can you lend me uh, $100 million? And I'll use this apartment as collateral because I stole from the mob and they don't mess around. The judge ruled that Trump lied by overvaluing Trump Tower. Are you sitting down? I, di I, I didn't even know this was <laughs> mathematically possible. By 2,300%, the judge ruled that Trump lied when he was taking out loans by overvaluing Trump Tower by 2,300%. Donald Trump, of course, is now suing the judge, and that trial starts in a week. The judge also fined each of Trump's lawyers. I love this. Each of Trump's lawyers were fined $7,500 for filing frivolous motions to delay the case going to trial. Trump later called this a blah, 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 a miscarriage of blah, 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 blah. Stalinist, Nazi, fascist, Democrat. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. Can't say the system hasn't worked. I mean, the system in New York, at least, is working. We are on the brink. I wish I could say the same thing about Washington, D.C. We are on the brink of a government shutdown. Now, we've had shutdowns before, but this one will be the first since January 6. It's going to be a different government shutdown because there are Republicans in the House of Representatives, few in the Senate, but mostly in the House of Representatives. There are Republicans in the House who were rooting for the insurrectionists on January 6, because these Republicans were sent to Washington to destroy it. There are Republicans who think a government shutdown isn't the means, it's the end. The ends, the end of government. The end of government to some of these members of the Freedom Caucus means victory. And I'm not quite sure Kevin McCarthy completely understands this. He had a chance to deliver his uh, uh, caucus to the Ethics Committee. He, he, there, there were insurrectionists. Uh, at one time, there were five still in the House. And he could have delivered them to the Ethics Committee and had them disciplined. Instead, he made peace with the insurrectionists, members of the Freedom Caucus, and I don't know what he was thinking, because all it takes is a handful of those Republicans to shut this government down for months. Again, we're on the brink of our first government shutdown since January 6. There have been shutdowns before, but the landscape has completely changed. Republicans are a different party. This is a post-January 6 Republican Party where Republicans are as angry and as dangerous as they were on January 6, probably more so. 
So I'm a little worried with uh, I'm a little worried about these radicals on the right, because once this government shuts down and it looks like it's going to shut down at 12.01 a.m. Sunday morning, it's going to be a lot harder this time, I think, to open it back up. Since Biden took office, we framed this as a battle for our democracy. But there are Republicans who have leapfrogged way past that fight and are instead striking at the very heart of the entire system, our government. They want to dismantle and destroy it. January 6, I fear, was Act 1. The next shutdown might be Act 2, and I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm a little worried. The government's new fiscal year begins on October 1st. In other words, the 2024 budget starts on uh, when starts uh, the the 2024 budget starts at 12:01 a.m. Sunday morning. Now, without a 2024 budget passed by Congress and then signed by the president, there is no authorization for our Treasury Department to disperse the funding our government needs to keep running. Right. It's just that simple. There's no way Congress, the House and then the Senate is ever going to pass the entire 2024 budget by Saturday. So they need to pass a temporary funding bill, a stopgap measure, a continuing resolution, if you will, to authorize the Treasury to appropriate all the money necessary to keep the government running for, let's say, 30 more days. But This continuing resolution is not coming out of the House. McCarthy cannot do it. So this is where it stands early Wednesday morning. There is absolutely no way the 2024 budget will ever be ready by Saturday. It's impossible. And it looks like there's probably no way a continuing resolution to keep the government running for 30 or more days, there's no way that's going to be ready by Saturday. It means the Treasury Department will soon lack the authority to disperse funds to all our government agencies, which means it all pretty much shuts down. And that's precisely what Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Chip Roy, Andy Biggs, Scott Perry, And Lord knows how many other MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives, uh, that's what they want. They also, some of them wanted pardons from Donald Trump after January 6th. They they now want to shut the government down. On January 7th, they wanted pardons from Donald Trump for wanting to burn the House down. Because, politically speaking, in all fairness, that's what they came to Washington for, to destroy it. They're small government conservatives. So let's focus first on October 1st. We have two tracks here. I'm going to, I hope I can help myself and you understand what we're going to try to understand in the the following days. And And I bring this up because I honestly do believe that this shutdown is more dangerous than the other shutdowns before. So there are two tracks that you need to pay attention to. And I hope I hope this helps a little. Uh, it's it's confusing. They want it to be confusing. This is basically civics, how we spend our money, how our government spends our money is civics. They don't teach this anymore. But how the government spends our money defines who we are as a people. So there are two tracks that Kevin McCarthy is going down. Track one is the 2024 budget, the whole enchilada. There isn't one and there won't be one by October 1st. And that's why there's track two, a temporary budget, a 30 day, possibly 90 day budget or a continuing resolution or a CR to keep the government funded starting on October 1st. So it all doesn't 
shut down and people can get food stamps and they can get welfare. All the things MAGA Republicans don't want to disperse. They rather see the government shut down than people get their welfare and their food stamps or whatever they call it these days. Kevin McCarthy foolishly is staying on track one. He's still trying to get the 2024 budget passed because he's in denial about track two, track two being the continuing resolution, which he's never going to get. So he cannot get a a continuing resolution passed. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see how, given that he's dealing with wrecking balls from the Freedom Caucus. And he I don't think he understands that there's that he can't put anything in front of them that they will accept. They want the government shut down. And if somehow they did accept whatever McCarthy put in front of them, there's no way the democratically controlled Senate under Democrat Chuck Schumer would ever accept it. And that means government shutdown. And again, I don't mean to be an alarmist here, but this would be our first government shutdown after January 6. And I don't know when this shutdown ends. Kevin McCarthy is stumbling around the Capitol, wondering what it's going to take to get the Freedom Caucus to keep the government from shutting down. And I don't think he understands that shutting it down is exactly what they want. This isn't, Kevin, this isn't about stripping funding for Ukraine or defunding Jack Smith's investigation into Trump or more border security. You give these people what they're asking for, they'll find something else. Remember uh, Trump's armed imbeciles storming the Capitol? That's who these people are. They hate Washington, D.C. They hate the Capitol. They hate government. They hate you. There's nothing you can do to stop them. Now, luckily, if things do get really bad and the government can't open, Joe Biden, I believe, uh, can issue a $1 trillion coin. And there are other things that can be done. You can actually sue. You can take it to the Supreme Court. You can take these Who knows what the Supreme Court would rule on a government shutdown? There are things that eventually could be done to get the government back up. But I don't think some of us quite grasp how dangerous these people are. The people, the the MAGA Republicans, they're a joke at first, but they are the embodiment of other jokes like Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, all of whom are jokes, but could end up sitting in the Oval Office. Uh, These MAGA Republicans, they're in the House of Representatives and they want to burn it down while they're inside. And so this is an important week. It might be our last week of a federal government for a long, long time. Maybe a month, maybe two months, maybe three, maybe not until the Iowa caucuses in January. I'm being a bit of an alarmist and a pessimist. I have some optimistic news as well, but we better be prepared for this. So, again, there are two tracks that McCarthy is pursuing. Track one, he's still like a fool, is pursuing uh the, the 2024 budget, uh, trying to pass 12 appropriations bills that make up the entire 2024 budget. The budget has been severed. I think in 1974 they did that. They severed the budget into 12 separate appropriations bills. This is what he's doing this week. Busy work. He's trying to look like he's doing the people's business, but he's not. So far, the House, to Kevin McCarthy's credit, has been able to pass the Military Construction and Veteran Affairs Appropriations Bill. That's one of the 12. And it's not the Pentagon spending bill. It's the Military Construction and Veterans Affairs Appropriations Bill. The military gets two separate appropriations bills. 
and they want to increase spending by 4.8% on that appropriations bill that left committee. And I believe it passed what is called a procedural procedural vote in the House. And it hasn't uh, gone to the Senate. But it it does mean sort of kind of that Kevin McCarthy has been able to pass one out of the 12 appropriations bills to fund the 2024 budget. Only 11 more to go. And it's only Wednesday morning. You got till late Saturday. You know, again, even if he could get, he's, it's impossible to get 11 more appropriations bills passed. Even if he did, the Democrats in the Senate would reject it. On Tuesday, McCarthy did succeed in moving four more appropriations bills along. Didn't get them passed, but he got them through rules committees and got some possibilities for votes on procedures. These four bills, these four appropriations bills, uh, there's the bill that funds Homeland Security. That's a massive agency that includes, among other things, FEMA, Border Enforcement, the Monsters from ICE, the Secret Service, Immigration, and the Coast Guard. And it looks like Republicans want to raise spending for Homeland Security by nearly 4%. Then there's the second bill that he seems to be moving along and hasn't passed. There's the Pentagon Appropriations Bill, where Republicans in the House want to raise funding by 2.2%, but he stripped Ukraine out of that bill. I think, I think he stripped Ukraine out of that appropriations bill. Then there's the third appropriations bill, the agriculture bill, where Republicans want to cut spending by 2%. And the fourth bill uh, that they're moving along would be the State Department appropriations bill, which Republicans want to cut by 15%. Isolationists, right? So... 12 appropriations bills in the budget. One has sort of kind of passed in the House. Four others on Tuesday, McCarthy was able to kind of roll out a committee and get going. That leaves seven more appropriations bills that haven't even been touched. Again, there's no way he gets 12 (laughs) appropriations bills voted on and sent to the Senate by Saturday. And again, The Democrats and the Senate are going to reject it all. I mean, it's got to go into a conference committee where they hash it all out. This they waited. This is like me in school. You know, they they it's supposed to start in February, the budget process, and they're starting when the papers do. So the new 2024 budget, whether anyone likes it or not, is supposed to kick in on October 1st. And that brings us back to the second track that McCarthy should be on, but he's avoiding it. And that is passing a a continuing resolution, a 30 or 90 day temporary stopgap funding measure that will keep our government running while McCarthy supposedly keeps working on getting those 12 appropriations bills passed in the House, sent to the Senate, then sent back to the House for conference committees to work out the differences. One of the reasons, and I'm being a little repetitive here because I don't really understand it, and I've had it explained to me by people who I really respect, and, and I hate the fact that I don't completely understand it. One of the reasons this is so hard to follow is Congress right now is purposely confusing these two tracks. If you're paying attention to this, uh, sometimes this week, you'll you can't tell if they're talking about something that they want in the 2024 budget or simply something for the continuing resolution. They don't clarify because they're playing politics. So they sometimes they accuse sometimes the, the Democrats accuse the Republicans of wanting something really draconian in the continuing resolution, but they don't want it in the 2024 budget. But that is the fight in the House. It's, it's uh, not a, 
not a fight in the House where it's Democrats versus Republicans. It's a fight where it's Republicans versus Republicans and Democrats want that. It's triangulation, right? Henry Kissinger wanted China fighting with Russia. Hakeem Jeffries, the House minority leader, Democrat, wants Kevin McCarthy fighting with the Freedom Caucus, divide and conquer. Get 12 appropriations bills that make up the 2024 budget passed in the House and send it to the Senate by October, for, no, by Saturday. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So pass a continuing resolution to keep the government running after October 1st. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And the Democrats, I'm going to talk about some uncomfortable truths about the Democrats here. Uh, what they need to confront is the brutal reality that the Freedom Caucus, the Democrats need to acknowledge that these are the same people who stormed the Capitol, basically, on January 6th. And this might be more important than playing politics. I'm, I don't know enough about this, okay? But I, as an American citizen, I believe that Hakeem Jeffries should be offering Kevin McCarthy a lifeline. And I'll talk about Chuck Schumer's continuing resolution that looks like it's going to get passed. There is a possible lifeline that... I think Hakeem Jeffries should offer Kevin McCarthy in the House to to help him out as detestable as he is to totally defang the Freedom Caucus. It'll help our democracy uh, because these people are they they are there on a mission to destroy everything and humiliate Kevin McCarthy. And the Democrats, I think, are being short-sighted. They think they're looking at flipping the House a year from now. Well, there may not be a House <laughs> a year from now. Uh, they're, they're playing this like they're smart. You know, Democrats are painting McCarthy and Republicans is unable to govern. Yeah, but they don't want to govern. They want to destroy the government. Uh, so right now, this is dangerous. This is brinksmanship. This is post-January 6th brinksmanship on the part of the Democrats. They're gambling on a shutdown. They're wagering that the American people will blame Republicans, and they'll also blame Donald Trump, who has repeatedly demanded publicly that McCarthy shut the government down until Jack Smith's investigations into his wrongdoings are defunded. Now, Democrats in the Senate, like Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, have put forth their own continuing resolution. And it moved ahead Tuesday night. And it looks like it will pass in the Senate and then get sent down to the House. Senate Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't want a shutdown. So he's working with Senate Majority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer and the continuing resolution that Schumer and McConnell will most likely pass funds the government until November 17th. Now, there are several rounds of votes in the Senate before their continuing resolution actually passes. They, they vote on procedural issues, but it gives... Uh, Schumer as Senate Majority Leader, a leading indicator of whether or not the bill will actually pass in its final form. On Tuesday, the first round passed, listen to these numbers, 77 to 19 in the Senate. I mean, compared to the House, the bipartisanship in the Senate, in the Senate is, you know, staggering, 77 to 19. That's because there are some things that Schumer and McConnell have always agreed on, like funding for Ukraine. Moscow Mitch, as we used to call him, is actually on the side of Ukraine. 
which is why he signed on to Chuck Schumer's continuing resolution that will provide $6 billion in funding for Ukraine. That's a lot of money for Ukraine. That's $6 billion to hold them over until November 17th. That's when the continuing resolution expires. And then there'd be another $6 billion that goes towards disaster relief. So Schumer is selling this highly unusual continuing resolution. It's originating in the Senate. And some people I've, I've read and I've been told that spending bills can only emanate from the House of Representatives. That's but some people don't believe that. Apparently, Chuck Schumer doesn't. Schumer is selling this continuing resolution, insisting that spending until November 17th stays exactly at last year's levels until we have a new budget, right? Between now and November 17th, no new spending. Just everything's the same, except there's a $12 billion bump in funding Ukraine and disaster relief. So in other words, this continuing resolution is only $12 billion more expensive than last year. So it will pass in the Senate. I'm almost certain, again, I don't know enough about this. Uh, I know that Senator Rand Paul hates uh, the giving money to Ukraine, and I don't know whether or not he voted for or against the continuing resolution. There were 17 people who voted in the Senate against it. I'm going to assume that was Rand Paul. I don't think he can filibuster. I'm almost certain that spending bills in the Senate cannot be filibustered. So you only need 51 votes. And what was it? I mean, it was just mind-boggling. 77 to 19. I mean, that's a filibuster-proof majority, even if they can filibuster. So the question is now, and this is where it gets interesting. I mean, it may be the end of our democracy and our government, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. McCarthy, the question is, He can't get a continuing resolution out of the House. Looks like Schumer and McConnell can get a continuing resolution out of the Senate. Now the question is, it goes down to the House. Is McCarthy willing to bring it to a vote? If he brings it to a vote, it could probably pass, but it would be ugly. Very, very ugly. It is conceivable It is conceivable that House Minority Leader, Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, will work with Speaker McCarthy. I can't imagine this because it would only be for the good of our country and not the Democratic Party. But I'm going to assume this is what McConnell and Schumer are urging, that after they pass the continuing resolution and they send it down to the House, I I would assume they're pushing House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries to start working with Speaker McCarthy, maybe say something along the lines like, in order for the continuing resolution to pass, we need 218 votes. We need 218 votes. Kevin, you have 222. I have 213. Now, You don't have 222 because you have the Freedom Caucus. So you've got, you don't have the 218 votes. I might have a couple for you. I can find some votes for you. Uh, You know, and they can pass it in the House, shut down, averted. That is, I have to imagine, I, I don't know, much. All I know is who I talk to and what I read. Um, I have to imagine that's precisely what Senate Majority Leader Schumer, Senate Minority Leader McConnell, uh, I have to believe that's what they're 
trying to get Hakeem Jeffries to say. I also think that McCarthy is thinking this way, too, but he can't. (laughs) He can't because his speakership, which is really all he cares about, his speakership is being held hostage by the Freedom Caucus. He's in a bind. He's got to choose country over self. Is this going to be a profile in courage? Is he willing to give up his speakership for the good of our country? I doubt it. I mean, this is the same guy who kissed Donald Trump's ring 10 days after January 6th. He flew down to Mar-a-Lago and apologized to Donald Trump after January 6th. I mean, this is the same guy who wouldn't appoint anybody to the January 6th committee. He refused to acknowledge the January 6th committee. He, he said it's not legitimate. And then he wonders why the, the people in his caucus are once again burning down the House. He's got a problem. He made a deal. He appeased the Freedom Caucus. He needed to strike a deal in order to become speaker back in January. And he changed the rules allowing just one member of the House to file a motion to vacate the chair. That was a big change in the House rules. That means all it takes is one Republican to file a motion to vacate the chair, to give up the, 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 the seat that the Speaker sits in, and then everything stops and the House must go and pick a new speaker again. Remember how difficult that was in January? It went 15 rounds. And people like Florida Congressman Matt Gates are openly warning McCarthy, do not work with the Democrats on anything. He says, if you pull away from the far right and move towards the centrists in the Democratic Party, I will file a motion to vacate the chair, in which case, this is what I, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but if they file a motion to vacate the chair with a year before the the election, I think Hakeem Jeffries should reward McCarthy. If McCarthy works with the Democrats to keep the government open and the Freedom Caucus votes to uh, vacate the chair, Hakeem Jeffries should reward McCarthy by voting for him for speaker. I I think uh, this is an opportunity to, politically, I think it works for next year. I think the the Democrats win back the House because The Republicans are so obviously broken and unable to govern. uh, And I think it's an opportunity to destroy once and for all the Freedom Caucus, something Kevin McCarthy didn't have the courage to do. Uh, So there's one year left in in this Congress. We, the Democrats, have the White House. We have the Senate. So temporarily give some... Give some love to McCarthy. He doesn't deserve it. Back him as speaker when they file a motion to vacate the chair. Hakeem, in exchange for passing Chuck Schumer's continuing resolution. Uh, And there are ways to control Kevin McCarthy as speaker now. If he's relying and working with the Democrats, Hakeem Jeffries can file a motion to vacate the chair if McCarthy gets too far away from him. This isn't about the Democrats controlling the House today. It's about flipping the House a year from now, once again, by proving Republicans can't govern. It's about flipping the House a year from now. If you don't destroy the Freedom Caucus, there may not be a House. This is how you strip the far-right insurrectionists in the Freedom Caucus of any hold over Kevin McCarthy and our government and the threat to shut it down. One of the reasons 
the Freedom Caucus has so much power is because there's simply no way Democrats in the House will ever vote in favor of anything that comes from Kevin McCarthy, generally speaking. Uh, Again, so what happens if McCarthy does what he probably is going to do, and that is refuse to bring Schumer and McConnell's continuing resolution to a vote in the House? I think he is not going to do the right thing. I'm not so sure Hakeem Jeffries is going to do the right thing. I don't know anything about Hakeem Jeffries. He's new. But uh, I, and I can't imagine Democrats and Republicans working together. I can't imagine Democrats wanting to save McCar- uh, McCarthy speakership. But I don't know what the, the alternative to that is. And I don't know how I would feel about it because I detest Kevin McCarthy. So what happens... What, what's going to happen, I think, is you're going to see a continuing resolution passed in the Senate maybe tomorrow night and get sent down to the House. And I suspect Kevin McCarthy is not going to release it. The Speaker is the one who determines what bills are voted on, unless... There's a discharge petition. So I talked about this yesterday. Uh, what is a discharge petition? I don't know. This is, what, <laughs> this is what I think it means. If a majority of House members sign the discharge petition, it forces McCarthy, the Speaker, to discharge the bill, to let go of it, And it gets voted on. It's discharged from the grasp of the speaker. It's called a discharge petition. There is talk that moderates in the House, Democrats and Republicans, and I hate to say their names, the problem solvers, they are the worst of the worst. These are centrist Republicans and People who call themselves centrist Democrats, but they're right-wing Republicans. Josh Gottheimer from New Jersey, horrible, horrible human being. Uh, he, He thinks he's a problem solver. He is the problem in the Democratic Party. But they're trying to step up right now, get this discharge petition signed in the House, overstep and humiliate Kevin McCarthy, Can they find 218 members of the House, Democrats and Republicans, to vote in favor of Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell's continuing resolution? Can they do that? That will be some of the drama I suspect we will be seeing. Uh, And it would be mind-boggling. I'm being hopeful. The idea of Democrats and Republicans ever coming together for the good of our country. That stuff used to happen. That stuff used to. Can you imagine if Pearl Harbor happened? You think Franklin Delano Roosevelt could get a declaration of war? No way. No way. Uh, There's no more reaching across the aisle. Rarely at least on spending bills. I'm I'm not sure what Kevin McCarthy's political calculus is. I suspect it doesn't include working with Democrats. I'm figuring McCarthy isn't worried about anything other than remaining speaker. That's all he cares about. I suspect he figures the budget deal will be negotiated with the Freedom Caucus, while he's going another 15 or 30 rounds trying to get reelected as speaker. I think that's what he's figuring. I'll negotiate the budget with the Freedom Caucus while I'm fighting for my job once again. Unless McCarthy brings Schumer's continuing resolution to a vote, we're looking at a government shutdown. Then we're looking at no speaker of the House, 
We're looking at a government shutdown and 30, maybe 100 rounds of voting in the House for a new speaker. It'll seem scary. It'll be good for Biden. It could be good for Democrats the same way January 6 was good for Biden and the Democrats. It showed who the Republicans really are. The problem is half the voters in this country saw who the Republicans really are and liked what they see. This is the problem. It's post-January 6. And this is why I think the government could stay shut down until the Iowa caucuses. I'm catastrophizing here. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not, I don't think this is going to happen. The problem is, if McCarthy goes this route, 100 rounds for speaker, he probably wins again. Steve Scalise is second in line. I don't maybe Elaine Stefanik, uh, maybe. But uh, any budget deal that he strikes or any budget deal that Stefanik or Scalise strikes to win the speakership is still going to be rejected in the Senate and the government's going to stay shut down. So what is going to happen? I don't mean to get your heart pounding. Unless McCarthy works with Democrats, and unless Democrats promise to vote for him for speaker after the far right files a motion to vacate the chair, it is not inconceivable that the government will shut down October 1st, and that will be it. (laughs) It is conceivable. At least that will be it for the year. Uh, Hear me out here. Uh, Again, I'm catastrophizing. Uh, It is conceivable that in this post-January 6th landscape, this will be the longest government shutdown in American history. It will be a tragedy. Uh, You know, you could do the right thing and work together just to destroy the Freedom Caucus, okay? I mean, I, I think... From what little I've read of Chuck Schumer's continuing resolution, it's perfectly reasonable. It's the same bill you passed last year with an additional $12 billion for disaster relief in Ukraine. Pass that. How can you not pass that? How can you not work together? How can Democrats and Republicans in the House not work together to pass that? Um It's an opportunity for greatness on the part of Hakeem Jeffries and Speaker McCarthy. And it would blow the whole dialectic up. It would change how Congress does business. Uh, It's never going to happen. But the alternative to that is terrifying. Months of no government is conceivable Because that is exactly what the far-right Republicans want. No government. No government. The Heritage Foundation is a right-wing, fossil-fuel-funded think tank. And they've unveiled a project called 2025. They uh, released it in January of this year. It outlines a plan for Donald Trump's first 100 days back in the Oval Office, or any Republican, but mostly for Donald Trump. It's it's a 100-day plan for Donald Trump to get back into the Oval Office and hit the ground running in January of 2025. And it's a 100-day plan to pretty much make a government shutdown permanent. I'm not being an alarmist here. The uh, It's called Project 2025. It's from the Heritage Foundation. It calls for the dismantling of all our regulatory and administrative offices in Washington, D.C. They're all inside the executive branch. So through executive order, Donald Trump 
could, with the stroke of a pen, start dismantling the administrative state while concentrating more and more power inside the Oval Office. That is the plan. You know, they always say, read Mein Kampf. Hitler told you exactly what he was going to do. Read Project 2025 from the Heritage Foundation. They're telling us exactly what they want to do. They want to shut down the federal government, essentially, all the agencies, education, energy, EPA. There's even talk of, you know, streamlining the Justice Department and putting all the power into the Oval Office. So when Vivek Ramaswamy said he's going to fire 75% of the federal workforce, he didn't pick that number out of thin air. He was working off the Heritage Foundation's game plan. This has been the plan for decades. This has been a plan that uh, was articulated best by Steve Bannon during the first 100 days of the Trump White House when he said he wanted to gut the administrative state and cut something like the, I think there are 3 million, close to 3 million federal employees. He said, we, we want to gut the administrative state and pare it down to the same size it was before Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. But now that isn't deep enough. The plan now is to cut the federal government so deep it's the same size it was when Woodrow Wilson took office in what, 1915? I think it was 1915. I think it was 1915, where the American population was, I don't know, it was definitely below 100 million back then. Today it's what, 350 million, 320 million. We need more, not fewer, federal employees. So what I fear is a government shutdown that lasts all the way into the Iowa caucuses in January. And I think there are, Republic I think there are Republicans, at least I think there are too many Republicans who want to make the federal government the issue in next year's elections. I think nothing would make Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, or Ron DeSantis happier than a government shutdown that drags on and on so they can say, see, the government's shut down. How much do you really miss it? And you know how they can spin things. There'll be a lot of tragedy without a federal government, but Republicans are very good at spinning things and making a government shutdown look like a net positive. We'll have a government, if it shuts down late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, the government goes bare bones. You know, we'll have a military, there'll be border patrol, all the essentials, but everything else will stop. The regulatory agencies will be shut down. And that is exactly what the Heritage Foundation and Steve Bannon want. It's what a lot of Republicans want. It's what Vivek Ramaswamy wants. It's what Ron DeSantis wants. It's what Donald Trump wants. They want to shut it all down. So I'm going to wrap it up. And I don't mean to scare everybody. But the budget process, we don't pay attention. I know I don't pay attention to it because my eyes glaze over. Uh, but it is civics. How our government spends our money is civics. Where our tax dollars end up is civics. They don't want us paying attention to our money. Instead, they distract us with cultural issues Cultural issues that the government has no place sticking its beak into, like abortion, critical race theory, or gender-affirming care. Those are the emotional issues that grab our hearts, so we refrain from asking the difficult questions like, what happened to my money? 
The federal government's budget. Now, this is, I'm going to tell you something that blows me away. I don't know if it's going to blow you away, but this blows me away. The federal government's budget last year for 2022 was $6,270,000,000,000. How much is that? Well, it's 25% of our economy. 25% of our economy is the federal government. Now, when you toss state and local government budgets in with that, government spending becomes more than, what, one-third of our economy? Probably more. Then factor in the Federal Reserve, which is a bank separate from the government, but it answers to the government. So let's just, for the sake of argument, call the Federal Reserve an apparatus of our government. When you factor in the Fed, Federal Federal Reserve, raising and lowering interest rates, creating money out of thin air, literally, I don't understand how this works, but I do know that the Federal Reserve literally creates money out of thin air. Money that's not backed by gold, backed by whatever mood Jerome Powell is in that day. And he says, you know what? Uh, Our money supply needs to be flush with more cash. And he creates money. So between the federal government, the Federal Reserve, state and local governments, it is safe to say that anywhere between 40 and 50% of our economy is government spending. Nearly half of our government, and nearly half of our economy is government spending. Let that sink in. I don't know if anybody's still listening to me right now. I went down a rabbit hole today. But half of our economy is what the government spends. Or to put it another way, half of our economy is state spending. Half our economy is what the state spends. I hate to break it to you, but we have a state-run economy. The only reason we don't call this socialism is because nobody cares about the workers or the poor. Now, you've heard of the term socialism for the rich, and eh, that's what they say. They say our economy is socialism for the rich, and, well, maybe. Uh, It starts with the budget process, and right now, right before your eyes, there's a battle royale on C-SPAN. Everybody's working for a slice of the Six trillion two hundred seventy billion dollar pie that Congress is slicing up for twenty twenty four, and you and I not only we don't get a seat at the table, they won't even hand us a dustbin to get on all fours to gather up the crumbs. Our state run economy is anything but a worker's paradise. This is a state-run economy that benefits the rich, the powerful, the police, and the military. That's not socialism for the rich. That's fascism. People like to say, oh, only the rich benefit from government spending. That's socialism for the rich. No, it's fascism. The federal government spent $6.27 trillion last year. But it wasn't spent on you and me. Little, not enough. Instead, they make us fight over things that have nothing to do with money. But this is your money. Someone in Washington, D.C. is spending your money. Somebody on Wall Street, Amazon, Microsoft is getting your money. And it's not you. And that is why... They make it impossible for us to understand the budget process. They make it impossible for us to understand the budget process for the same reason they make it impossible for us to understand the terms of service on our credit card agreements. Just hand over the money and shut up.
I really wish I could understand all this. I don't. I try. Uh, I really wish I understood our tax code, because I think that's where real social change is made. And I wish I understood how we arrive at a budget. Uh, because who and what gets funded versus who and what doesn't get funded determines not just the trajectory of our economy, but who lives and who dies. For example, in yesterday's Washington Post, they reported that in an attempt to please the far right, Speaker Kevin McCarthy has agreed to cutting housing subsidies for low-income families by 33%, while, as you all know, rent is heading in the opposite direction. Right? They're going to cut low-income subsidies for rent by 33%. Rent is going up by 33%. And half of everybody who rents in America lives at or below the poverty line. <sighs> McCarthy has agreed to cut home heating assistance for low-income families by 70%. But luckily, it's... Uh, Winter's coming up. Oh, wait, that's bad. One million low-income Americans will lose food stamps. People are going to die. People are going to die. Right now, McCarthy is looking to cut $150 billion, $150 billion from child care, education, and medical research. But billions will be spent for fighter jets we don't need, more prisons instead of social workers, more for the DEA to fight opiate addiction instead of funding mental health facilities. Meanwhile, the, there will be subsidies for cheese, milk, beef, oil drilling, for-profit Medicaid, for-profit Medicare, or anything else that shortens our lifespan. Imagine if we were allowed in to the process. Imagine if our leaders didn't infantilize us. Imagine if you and I demanded that our leaders stopped infantilizing us. Imagine if we demanded what is called participatory budgeting. Participatory budgeting where we have a much bigger say in how our own money is spent. Some cities have participatory budgeting, where the citizens have a much bigger say in how government spending works. In America, it's the lobbyists. The only reason there are like 5,000 lobbyists for each member of Congress, is because of government spending. There's Public Citizen, that's Ralph Nader's uh, lobbying group. I mean, there are some good lobbying organizations, but like 90% of lobby lobbyists are there for money, trying to get to suck off that seven, eight trillion dollar teat that... Uh, that is our budget. Most Americans, including me, don't want to think about the federal budget because we can barely deal with our own. Our system, this American system, keeps most Americans so deep into debt, so financially precarious and confused, the last thing we want to think about is our government's spending, let alone our own. But if nearly half of our economy is what the government spends, maybe we wouldn't have to worry about our money if we focused on our other money. And by our other money, I mean the government's money, which is ours. It is our money. That is our money. And nobody gets to be a billionaire in this country 
without sucking off the government's six or seven trillion dollar annual teat. Do you know how many billions in government contracts Microsoft, Apple, Elon Musk, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, you know how many billion dollar contracts with the government these pigs have? You don't get to be a billionaire until you learn two things. Get money from the government and don't pay taxes. Take and don't give anything back. We are spinning our wheels until we demand our slice of that pie. Seven trillion, it's going to be eight trillion next year, nine trillion, ten trillion dollar budgets. Where's our slice of the pie? Free tuition at public universities, Medicare for all, universal child care, free community colleges, student debt relief, unemployment for workers who go on strike, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And how do you pay for it? Tax billionaires out of existence. No more government contracts for rich people until they start paying their taxes. Nobody is going to give us this power. We have to take it. And I believe it can all be done peacefully. I believe it takes focus. And I think we need to play the same game that the billionaires are playing. We need to want the same things when it comes to politics. We need to want the same exact things the Republicans and the billionaires want. Money and power. If you're a part of the 99%, you should want what the 1% wants. Money and power. Because that's all the other side understands is money and power. If you're not playing their game, you're losing. You know, before the Internet, there were three things that Americans hated to discuss. They were ashamed to discuss food, sex, and money. Now, on the Internet, all you see is food and sex. But we're not really talking about money. We're not being honest about money. We're kind of ashamed to want money. There's shame associated with money, having too much or having too little. It's shameful. Unless the 99% begins to focus on the same exact thing the people who have their knees on our neck are focusing on, we will remain exactly where we are. We need money and power. They say... We need to get the money out of politics. I say we need to get the money out of billionaires and into our pockets. That's what I say. Keep the money in politics. Take the money out of the billionaires and put it into our pockets. Or to put it another way, you want my vote? Pay me. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.